Good morning. Welcome to worship in the name of Christ. It's good to be with you. Before we go into our service, I want to draw your attention to a few things. The first is that there is a printout in your bulletin that you have probably seen, which gives you a picture of the church's finances over the past year through October. Um, And if you have questions about this, or if you would like some clarification, whatever it might be, uh, please let me know or let a deacon know, and they would be glad to talk through this with you. We hope this is helpful. Um, and especially helpful as you consider how you might give before the end of the year, perhaps, um, whatever it might be. So that is in there for your um, knowledge. Lastly, on the back of the bullets, and I'll go through just three announcements. The first is that the Joy Group has a trip planned on November 29th to go see the Christmas concert at Mississippi State. If you would like to go to this, you need to let Midge know by today. Today is the last day to make that known to her, if you're going. Secondly, the youth are meeting tonight at 7 p.m. in the Family Life Building, and the Gene Davis Shepherding Group is hosting that. Uh, They're putting a lot of effort, as all our shepherding groups do, so that will be a great time. And lastly, Church Life Night is not meeting this week. Uh, in light of the Thanksgiving holiday, but we will meet again next week. So that is all we have to announce. As we listen to the music this morning, would you say a prayer? Would you talk with God and ask him to help you worship him this morning, to help him, to help you have a heart that would receive his word and be encouraged? Let's take a few moments to do that now. Good morning. We get ready for our Thanksgiving week. We're gathered this morning to lay the foundation for how we can enter into the remainder of our week. And so I would ask you to stand for the call to worship and continue standing uh, through confession of faith. God calls us this morning to his worship from Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary 
Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's our goal and our aim here this morning as we've been invited into the presence of God. And so I would invite you to bring an offering, an offering of, of song, first of all, this morning as we sing together the first hymn of the day, uh, so, uh, hymn number 125. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our great Heavenly Father, as we have sung and as we have read, you have made the heavens, you've made the stars, you've made the earth, and in your great wisdom, you have fashioned us, and in your providence, you have allowed us to be here this morning in your presence to worship you in holiness and the splendor of your majesty. And we thank you for that opportunity. We pray that you would accept our worship, accept our praise, accept our confessions. And may we leave here today a changed people, renewed in heart, renewed in mind, renewed in soul, that we might honor you uh, the remainder of our days until all is united together in your presence forever. We look to that day and we worship you this hour. In Jesus' name, uh, we, in Jesus' name we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We'll get back to the Apostles' Creed when we finish the Heidelberg Catechism. And we're almost finished as we work our way through prayer. And so, uh, let's respond accordingly to the two questions that we have before us this morning. Question 126 asks, what is the fifth petition? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That is, for the sake of Christ's blood... Do not impute to us, wretched sinners, any of our transgressions, nor the evil which still clings to us, as we also find this evidence of thy grace in us, that we are fully determined wholeheartedly.
to forgive our neighbor. What is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. Wilt thou therefore uphold and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory. Amen. You may be seated. We'll take a moment where we can pray silently and individually before I lead us in prayer corporately. And you can use these last two, these two questions we have in the Heidelberg Catechism as a way to instruct you in this time, which is we have an opportunity to confess our sins, to ask God to help us to forgive others for their sins against us. We have an opportunity to worship God our forgiveness and for imputing to us his righteousness. We have um, an opportunity to pray against temptation, that we would not fall, uh, that God would protect us and lead us, that the devil, the world, and our own flesh, as they attack us, that God would uphold us. All of these things you can use as a way to lead you in a time of prayer. So after you all have, uh, we all have a moment to pray. I'll lead us. So let's go to God in prayer now. He hears you. He wants to hear from you, and he will answer. Let's pray together now. Dear Father, as we look ahead to Thanksgiving this week, uh, as Stephen just mentioned, we can set the foundation of praise and thanks today. And so we thank you for giving us this opportunity to do that. We bless your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Dear God, you are gracious and merciful to us, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You are good to all, and your mercy is over all that you have made. And all your works shall give thanks to you, Lord, and we do. Father, many of us are counting down the days until we can be with our families, our grandchildren, our friends, our siblings, around a table in fellowship And so we thank you for blessing so many of us with these gifts. God, you have also uphold all those who are falling down, and you raise up all who are bowed down. And some here have little to look forward to this week. So we pray that you would open your hand, that you would satisfy the desires of your people, and that you would make known to us how near you are to all who call on you. God, you hear our crying, you preserve each one of us, and we bless your holy name. God, would you give us a new heart of thanksgiving this morning, and then again tomorrow morning, and then the next day. How quickly we stumble and how quickly... We sour over your care and believe that it's up to us and that you don't care for us. And yet you do care for us, Father. You sent your Son to forgive sinful humanity whose original sin was one of unthankfulness. God, we praise you for this opportunity to even pray together as a body. We think about our church and our members in it, and we thank you for a successful surgery for Marilyn's daughter, Jennifer. 
We pray you would give her great strength and perseverance to do uh, the rehabilitation well. God, we thank you for preserving so many families and individuals through the flu the past several weeks and even now. Lord, only you know the pain and suffering each person has experienced and is experiencing even now. So we pray you would preserve those of us who um, are sick and those who haven't been sick, that you would keep them from getting sick. Lord, we pray you would bless this town with a mild flu season. We know that's not beyond your power or your care. God, we also pray uh, for those who are pregnant in our congregation, that you would bless those children in the womb with healthy, growing bodies, and that you would protect the mothers from sickness that might threaten that growth. God, as we take up your holy and inerrant word this morning, once again we pray that you would feed us and nourish us through the power of your Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to worship and praise you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please pray with me. God, we thank you for this time to give our tithes and offerings, and we dedicate them to you, you and your service, your kingdom, to the growth of the gospel across the world, to the support of our missionary families, to all those um, who are doing your will and your work. So God, bless these tithes and offerings as you have blessed this church greatly. All gifts and all good things come from you, and we give thanks for all that you have given us and blessed us with, including this time to give. So we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stay standing, we'll sing hymn number 716, which is Sing to the Lord of Harvest. Let's sing hymn number 716 together. Amen. You may be seated. We're grateful for the opportunity to continue preaching through Mark with you this morning. I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4, where we'll start at verse 35. As a heads up, the next two weeks we'll be welcoming two guest preachers, and next week we have Elias Medeiros coming in to preach. Uh, he has worked for RTS and some other places. I'm looking forward to hearing from him. Just wanted you to know that um, so that you can be here to hear from them. Well, as we move into Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, this is just a wonderful passage to remind us again why we celebrate these holidays, how we can even give thanks in the first place. And this passage is all about how God cares for you and for me. And Christmas, of course, is the testimony of Christ coming, showing us how much God cares for sinners. Um, when we get to this part of the year, the day-to-day -day struggles of life can, for many of us, uh, highlight Loneliness, 
For many of us, we're asking the question, or many of our neighbors, or our friends, or our co-workers are asking the question, does God care about me? Does God care about my family? Does he see me in my distress? Does God see me in my heartache? Does he care that I'm sad during the week of Thanksgiving? And does he care that I have no thanks in my heart? And in our weakest moments, we may even jump to the answer that no, God doesn't care. Or it seems like he doesn't care. And so our passage answers this question in the affirmative, yes, God cares about you. So let's read our passage and then I'll pray briefly. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. This is God's word. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me for a moment. Lord, we wish to hear from you this morning. We need to hear the good news again. Encourage our hearts. Enable us to hear your good word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but in my life, I don't think about or talk about commercial fishermen very often. I don't think about fishermen very often. Um, Back when I was in, I don't know, at least... Over 10 years ago, there was a very popular show called Deadliest Catch, and it was all about following these boats of uh, crab fishermen. I don't know what the name is for someone who fishes for crab, crab fishermen. Uh, So we learned a lot about them in that show, and as I was researching fishing and boating and things like that because of this passage, I came across the statistic from the CDC It measures all types of deaths in our country. And they said that the fatality rate for commercial fishermen and women in the U.S. is 29 times higher than the national average. So if you are in the line of commercial fishing, you have a 29-time higher chance of dying than you would normally. All that says to me is it's incredibly dangerous to this day. Fishing... Commercial fishing is incredibly dangerous. Sinking boats, the CDC said, accounts for 50% of all deaths of fishermen, with falls overboard and machinery on the deck filling out the rest of that percentage. So given all of our technological advancement, all of our technology and our boating and technology and all the development that's been there, it is still incredibly dangerous to be out on the water, to be fishing. Weather is still amazingly deadly. We are still very vulnerable to the weather being at sea. Now, if that's the case today, 2,000 years ago, it would be even more so. You would be even more vulnerable while fishing in the open waters and even in great lakes, as the one in our passage. In different places from Genesis to Revelation, different places in the Bible, we see that the seas or that the water has different metaphors given for it. We see that it has, um, it's, the sea is seen as chaos. It's a metaphor for evil. Across the Bible, the sea is, is untamable. It's dangerous. It's risky. And what makes this passage this morning all the more interesting is that the fishermen, the disciples, are not afraid at the end of the passage of the seas. 
They're afraid of Jesus. Their great fear is not the water, but of God. So we're going to look at the disciples' fear, and then we're going to look at the God who cares. The disciples' fear and the God who cares. If you were to read this passage again and you counted all the times great is mentioned, you would count it three times, not a hundred times, three times. You would see that there is a great windstorm, a great calm, and a great fear. The great windstorm subsides to a great calm that leads to a great fear. Jesus right now in this passage, is with quite a few fishermen who were his disciples. They were used to the water. They had a healthy respect for the water. And this windstorm that they're in is sinking the boat that they are currently in. And Jesus is sleeping inside on a cushion. And if you have been with us over the past few weeks, we have seen this imagery of uh, a farmer who plants seeds and trusts that God is bringing the growth, even though it's invisible, And we have this picture of Jesus sleeping on a cushion as if he is trusting God so deeply that he can sleep amidst a storm. He knows God is in control. Read with me in verse 38. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The disciples wake Jesus, and this question they ask is what this passage is really all about. Do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? Their question isn't, Jesus, can you help us? Jesus, do you care? That is their question. And it's a realistic question. If you go to the other Gospels and you read about this this same story in the other Gospels, it's worded a little bit differently. Mark, in a sense, doesn't pull any punches. He gives us their question in all of its honesty, even though it's a tough question to ask and to hear. The disciples are angry. They're scared. Perhaps they're frustrated. They are wondering, and they're quick to ask questions about the purpose of Jesus in their life. Why is he there if he's not going to help? He seems like he doesn't care for us. And Jesus rises and rebukes the wind and says to the sea, just as if he is exercising a demon, he says, peace, be still, And there is a great calm. It's not a normal calm or just calm. It is a great calm. Their question, the disciples' question, tells us that they still don't know who Jesus really is or what he's come to do. They're still trying to figure out who Jesus is. They have not quite put their faith in someone because they don't quite know who he is. And This is really one of the main themes of Mark's gospel. The way Mark writes this gospel is that he is peeling the layers back, one after another, gently and slowly revealing to us all of who Jesus is. There are many reasons for that. One of them is that Jesus is, in fact, crafting his own identity with people so that they don't have a wrong assumption about what he's come to do and who he is. His disciples call him teacher or rabbi, but not yet son of God. In verse 40, he says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this? That is... The key question of Mark, who then is this Jesus? What kind of person can do something like this? In Psalm 89, we read the answer. 
about who has power over the wind and sea like this person Jesus does. Psalm 89 says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Only God has power over the seas. And as readers of the Gospel of Mark, we know who Jesus is. We know from the first verse of the Gospel who Jesus is. But we are learning in a much fuller way, story after story, parable after parable, just who Jesus is. All of a sudden, the disciples in the boat, when they come to this realization, they're thinking either Jesus is God, the Messiah, or someone who has the power of God is in the boat with us, and we're terrified. We are full of a great fear. This passage tells us the answer to their question. Do you care that we are perishing? Jesus, do you care? So it leads us to the second point, which is the God who cares. The disciples ask this question, and it, in some ways it's, it's rude or it's, it's forceful. It's very honest. And the Bible is full of these honest prayers and thoughts of people in their deep distress. It's part of the reason that I personally trust and believe God's word. It's part of the reason I love God's word, because we see the honest words of people who are suffering and going through difficult times. When you're going through a hard time, you don't, pretty, you, don't, you don't say pretty prayers. You don't take time to write down something beautiful that you can offer to God in prayer. You speak straight to God. You speak straight to other people, especially. If you listen to Psalm 69, there's a prayer that goes like this. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. The author is honest. He's saying, I am losing hope. My eyes are growing dim. I'm losing all my strength. And then he says, deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. So have you prayed like this before or have you heard someone pray like this before? Answer me, Lord. Answer me because the water is going up to my neck and it seems like I'm about to perish from these waters. Life has become so difficult that I don't know and I don't have within myself the means to save myself. I need your help, God. The disciples on the boat are saying, answer us. Do you not care that we're perishing? Because it sure seems like you don't. And the response they get from Jesus is, of course, in his actions, he's saying, yes, I do care. I have shown you that I care, and I will show you that I care again and again and again. Jesus will show them that he cares with his tears of blood in the garden before the cross. He will show them that he cares in being made sin for you, though he knew no sin. He will show you that he cares by being forsaken by the Father so that you would never be forsaken by God. Jesus says, I will show you that I care. When Jesus is going to the cross, which we'll get to later on in Mark, Jesus prays an interesting prayer. He says, Father, glorify your name. Show the world how great you are in me, he's saying. Show the world how much you care for them through me and in me. 
And God responds with a booming voice that everyone who's around Jesus actually hears. And God says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. At the cross, God glorifies his name again. He shows us that he is the God who cares. He will show us again and again. Jesus is the Son of God sent by the Father in the power of the Spirit. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He came to earth to show us how much he cares for you and for me. And then he gives you his spirit to bless you with a great calm. There is a great calm in knowing all your sin, past, present, and future has been forgiven. And there is a great calm that no matter what happens in your life, Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be walking with you to the very end and then beyond. Jesus is not just able to save you, to the uttermost, we like to say, but he wants to. So does God care that you are perishing? Yes, God cares. Does God care that you are crying, perhaps? Does God care when you are deeply troubled? Does God care when you don't know what to do? Jesus went to the cross. He lived through the greatest sort of windstorm of all time. He went to the cross to, in fact, give us a great calm, the calm that only exists in the hands of God, that the world cannot give us, even though we pursue it. Our only guarantee in this life is that Jesus will never leave us and that he cares about us. There is no plan B for God's people, you could say, Whatever transpires in our life does not take God by surprise. Whatever suffering or evil that happens to us isn't random to God. He cares for us right in the middle of those instances. He uses our suffering to make us more like Jesus. He never wastes your suffering. If you don't believe me, you can listen to Psalm 126 that says, Those who sow like a seed, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his, his sheaves with him. Or you might have heard this verse before, you have kept count of my tossings, that is my tossings in bed when I've had sleepless nights. You have put my tears in your bottle? Are they not in your book? None of your suffering, none of your fear goes ignored by God because he is with you and he cares for you. So this Thanksgiving week, you and I have an opportunity to both experience the care of God and to extend that care of God to other people. God loves you. He has had a plan of redemption in play since before you existed. And now he says, as you have been cared for, as you are being cared for, care for others. Everyone, Christian or not, can and should reach out to other people this week and give encouragement and say, hey, how are you doing? But people who have met Jesus, the great calm, people who have met Jesus have an opportunity to say something along these lines, like, I have a great calm in my life, even though my life is a mess. Because I know Jesus is in this life with me and that he cares for me, I want to care for you. Someone might even ask you, how can you know God cares for you? How can you know? When you, might, when you call someone this week who might be lonely or sick or depressed, you can care for that person, not for selfish 
good feelings or whatever that might be, but because Jesus has cared for you in those same experiences. Some of us in this church really, really want to hear from someone, right? We just want someone to call us and ask us how we're doing. One way God shows us that he cares for us is by the love of his church for others. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus has loved you. Jesus cares for you, and now he says, care and love one another. If you think of someone you can talk to this week, you can say, and I might say, God has loved me so well. God has loved me and cared for me so well that I just feel like calling you and saying, God loves you and cares for you. How are you doing? That might be a lot more than you normally say, but we have this opportunity because God cares for us. If you see me in town, if I'm just walking around, which I'm usually doing with my two daughters, I would love for you to say, God cares for you, Matt. Like today, God loves you, he sees you, he cares for you. Just because I'm studying the Bible every day and I'm a pastor, whatever, I need to hear this from you, from the church. We all need it, especially in the day-to-day grind of life. We need to remind one another that Jesus cares for you, not just for your salvation, that you are saved, or as some people say, you have a ticket. Do you have your ticket punched for heaven? I've heard some, some people ask others. But that your struggles and your pains and your grief are seen by God and that he cares for you in the midst of them. As Roman 8 says, Romans 8 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We are sinful people destined to perish without hope of ever seeing the goodness of God that he intended his creation to see. But God had a plan to redeem sinners from the pit of death, to restore them to life, And he would show this plan in its fullness through Jesus. And maybe you haven't fully trusted Jesus at this point. Or maybe you don't really understand who Jesus is or believe the things that he says about himself. But as they say, Jesus Jesus is either crazy or he is right. And if there is a chance Jesus is who he says he is, You have every reason to investigate whether it is true, whether what he says about himself is true or not. If there's a chance that Jesus cares for you as much as he says he does, then you better find out. He is the great calm in a world full of pain. And I want you to know him. So the question is, who then is this who has the power over the sea, who has the power over the wind? God has not left you to walk through the pain and suffering of this broken life alone because he cares for you. He cared for you from all eternity. He cared for you in sending his son to live and to die in your place. And he cares for you now through his Holy Spirit, through his church. Jesus, as I mentioned this morning in Sunday school, Jesus has the holes in his hands, the scar on his side to this day in his resurrected, glorified body as evidence for his love for you, as evidence that he cares for you. I pray that you will believe that, maybe you've heard this for the thousands times, I mean, I've said it a million times this morning, but I pray you'll believe that God cares for you, that God actually cares for you. And I pray that this love will pour over into your love for others this week, that it will make a beautiful and amazing Thanksgiving week 
when you're with family or friends, or when someone gives you a call and asks how you're doing. And I pray that God would give us hearts of thanksgiving for the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who cares for us. Would you please pray with me? God, you care for us. And as we move into Thanksgiving and into Christmas, you will remind us again and again just how much you care as we remember and retell the story of your son Jesus, who took on flesh, who lived a life in this world of suffering and of obedience to you and of ultimately of death and then resurrection, all for sinners without hope, for sinners who are perishing without your grace and your love. So God, for each one of us, we are all going through our different struggles and pains Would you care for us and remind us that you care for us? And then as you do that, would you help us to care for those around us? We love you, Father. We thank you for your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our last hymn this morning is hymn 715. It's come, ye thankful people, come. I invite you to stand for our last hymn, hymn number 715. Let's Go with God's blessing and then respond in faith with your amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.